You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology and the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Hello, hello. Welcome again to this podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Today is technically the first real episode, episode one. Uh, Double Zero posted recently, and in that episode, you'll get a essentially like an intro to this podcast, why this podcast exists, who it's recorded for, uh, the history behind this whole concept of the theology of music. Uh, but for today, let's just jump right into it. Today, we're going to be looking at the song called The Blessing. Uh, the Blessing was written by Carrie Job, Cody Carnes, and then Elevation Worship, uh, specifically the leader, Chris Brown, and then the pastor, Stephen Furtick. And so it was debuted at uh, Elevation at one of their campuses, their main campus. Uh, and, and so it has already uh, blown up. It's probably the biggest song right now. Uh, if you look at the stats for the song and you look at um, specifically through Planning Center, it has a database that can tell you all the stats concerning uh, how how often it's being played, um, how many spots it's jumped up. And so right now, The Blessing sits uh, comfortably in the top 20, top 10, depending on uh, the week you're looking at. But right now, it is is one of the biggest songs, uh, if not the biggest, in, in, in the sense of it's the most popular on social media and Instagram and all the different cool church websites. Uh, and so the, the Blessing, to give you some history behind it, and this is kind of how we'll, we'll do every song is, uh, I'll, I'll let you know what the song is. I'll give you who the artist is. And so when it comes to hymns at that point, I'll kind of tell you who the hymn writer was, what their life was like during the time. But today, you know, Cody Carnes and Carrie Job and Elevation are still around. And so uh, there's really no need to do that. What's really cool, though, is if you have someone who's still around, uh, you can get a direct quote from them. So I have a direct quote from Carrie Job talking about the song. And so here's the quote. I'm so moved by this song and how quickly it came about because this song is based on scripture the message is timeless, and we wanted to release it as quick as we could, knowing the effect it would, could have on people's hearts and spirits immediately, as it did on ours. Also, God knew it would be something we could hold on to during a season of our lives that's full of uncertainties and unknowns. Don't be afraid. God is with you, end quote. Now, obviously, what she's saying in that last part is she's talking about right now with COVID-19 and the stay-at-home orders and all the uncertainties of when, you know, everything will open up again. But let's look at another quote. This one is actually from Elevation's Chris Brown, the main worship leader there. And it says, I think one of the most refreshing things about this song is that while a lot of people are facing such a deficit of encouragement in their lives, the psalm comes along and is relentless in the encouragement and blessing it delivers from Scripture over them, along with the assurance that God is with us and for us always. Okay, so let's take a look at the song. And, and as always, I'm going to include the lyrics, all of them, in our show notes, even if sometimes we're, we only look at specifically one line or one word, right? But in this instance, because this song is, is pretty simple, and that's no knock, a lot of simple songs are great. Uh, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of repetition. So let's look at the lyrics right now. So you, you have the main verse, which says, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And then there's a little bit of a refrain that's amen, which is an agreement. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and then the main bridge is may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Uh, the bridge eventually can deviate a little bit and it's may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you and, and within you. He is with you. He is with you. 
in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. And then he is for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. Right. So we've got a lot of repetition here. Uh, and we have actually a good bit to look at through scripture. Uh, and so uh, the song is, as Chris Brown said, it and Carrie Job said, it is scripture. Right. And so if you look in Numbers 6, specifically 24 through 26, it is the the verse it says the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace many people hearing that and even hearing the song remember all those days in their church when the pastor would use that as their benediction right the the dismissal um, blessing to the people in the church uh, which is yes that's that's incredibly biblical in the bridge May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. That's taken from Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, and Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Exodus says this. It says, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. And then Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Both these are NASB. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, one thing to make note of, you're not getting uh, the surrounding verses when you look at these verses. And so in Exodus, you're, you're also seeing that God will put punishment uh, to the third and fourth generations of those who don't keep his commandments. So uh, what we always want to do is if we're going to use scripture to fuel songs, we, we need to make sure we, we remember them in the context because our church isn't going to, right? Your church doesn't always know the context that the scripture um, of the scripture from which you took the song, right? Or wrote the song. Okay. So, uh, one thing to make note, just because a song is word for word scripture does not make the song a good song to sing on Sunday mornings. I could use many different old Testament verses that talk about crazy things and that would not make it a good song to sing. Right. So now this doesn't necessarily disqualify the blessing from being a song to sing on a Sunday, but just remember that just because the song is scriptural, doesn't mean it's a timeless song, right? Scripture, yes, uh, is timeless. The, it says it itself, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever, right? Yes, scripture is timeless, but songs written from scripture are often not timeless because they're not good. So let's continue looking onto this. So we've got a couple different scriptures that we've looked at for this song. And what I want to do, though, is kind of walk through uh, our criteria, right? So we've We've looked at the words. We've looked at the scripture that they you've have used to support it, uh, and let's look at the criteria. So, the three criteria that we use is it is it gospel centered, Christ exalting, congregationally friendly. Okay, so it let's let's is it Christ exalting? Well, no. There there is no mention of Jesus or redemption or the cross uh, or anything alluding to that. Right? There is nothing. Now you you can say the blessing implies that, but you you you're not allowed to have um, implications that you think for a song if you're not the writer. One, two, uh, your church is never really going to have all those implications that you may have, right? So we need to remember not to not to listen or or look at a song through our lens of our maturity because we may, not, may be less mature than the song calls for or more mature than the song calls for. And so oftentimes we can give the song the benefit of the doubt when we when it doesn't need to be given the benefit of the doubt, when it needs to actually be critiqued. Uh, and so it's not Christ exalting, okay? So is it gospel-centered? I don't see the gospel in there either. I don't see redemption like we're talking about. I don't see sanctification, justification, glorification. I don't, I don't see anything alluding to that. So it, it 
It is not Christ exalting. It is not gospel centered. Now, is it congregationally friendly? Well, yeah, it's pretty easy to sing, right? The, the verse is easy. Uh, the refrain, the amen part is easy, especially if you're doing it a lot like they do. You're doing it multiple times. You're going to get it. Uh, the bridge is easy, even though you change the words, you know, the melody stays the same. So it's congregationally friendly in the sense that it is easy for your church to sing. It's friendly for a church uh, to pick up. So it does meet that criteria. But what I want to focus on is why would you sing this song, right? And so uh, the, the theme of the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You know, everyone's talking about how that's the benediction that they used to receive from their pastor. Well, you're not singing this as a benediction, right? No one's singing this at the very end of their service. And if they are, power, you know, props to you for doing it and using it rightly in your service. People are using this to fill the big anthemic slot in their services, right? The waymaker slot, the reckless love, the what a beautiful name slot, right? The big slot in their service, right? Where everyone gets really into it. You know, you're using it as the slower anthemic song, right? That's, you're not using it as a benediction. So I don't, I don't want to hear anyone telling me they're using this as a benediction. You're not. Okay. Two, may his favor be upon you to a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. I, I don't think a a non-Christian would know what that means, right? And I've even looked at some people kind of how would an outsider interpret the song? And, and the BereanTest.com says that unbelievers won't miss the message this first time. This is a quote from them the first time, much less the second or third. It's a blessing offered to believers. Okay, so why? what what does it have to do with the outsider then? How can that help the believer, the, un, the unbeliever, come to, to know the Lord, right? If anything, if I'm a non-believer hearing that song and I'm hearing the blessing, I'm... I don't have a scriptural lens with which to unpack that knowing that it's not the blessing of material wealth or anything along those lines. It's the blessing of Christ, right? As a reformed, as a, as a mature believer, I can look at that and go, I know that all the blessings that I have are just met in Christ. That's the ultimate blessing. Not money, not a family, but in Christ, right? Ephesians 1, 3, right? May the God of all blessing, um, who has blessed you in Christ. And, and you know, all, basically what he's saying is, the blessing, the the greatest blessing and all blessedness you would receive is through Christ. That's it. That's always going to be the end of it. Uh, and so I would know that if I'm singing that song, that would be what I'm thinking of. Now, here's the other thing. Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Who are we singing this song to when we sing, may his favor be upon you to a thousand generations and to your families and their children? Who, who Am I singing this to myself? Am I singing it to the worship team on the stage? Am I singing it to my neighbor? Who... What what is this? What is the purpose of the song for in 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 regards to directional worship? Right, our songs on a Sunday morning should be ones that glorify the Lord. Right, and so you know, looking at the Brian test again, they say, and they quote, despite its re- relentless repetition, which I think is funny, this song brings glory to God by invoking a biblically accurate blessing to those who hear it. I, that's just assuming, uh, if a song can give glory to God. 
in its in it on its own, right? But contextually, I don't think that fits, right? That's yes, God can be glorified in everything. God God's both glorified when I'm sinning, but also when I'm in living in righteousness. That doesn't mean when I'm sinning, it's good. Now, I'm not trying to equate this to sin, but what I'm trying to say is, is that just because it's biblically accurate doesn't mean it's automatically going to glorify the Lord in the local church context, right? I think it's interesting that they take from Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy, God is at one point saying, you're not worshiping me the way I desire and demand to be worshiped. So we always need to be careful. We're not doing what what God in Deuteronomy is, is, is saying of those people, right? Uh, and so I would not say you're singing this to God and glorifying him. You're not singing truths about God to God. You're singing a blessing that was given, one, to a completely different people than, than are worshiping on a Sunday morning. You're, you're singing a blessing that was given to them to, I don't even know who you're singing this to, right? This was the Aaronic blessing. It was a petition directed at a people, specifically the children of Israel. And and to set it in a song like this offers up no context. And and there's there's and for anyone singing it, especially non-believers, because this was a priest supposed to sing it over over the people, right? Number six, it says the priestly blessing. The Lord spoke to Moses. So this is the verses previous to 24 through 26 in number six. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons how you are to bless the Israelites, right? This is the priestly blessing. So we're, we are now stepping into the seat from which this, this blessing was supposed to be offered. We are, we are not that, right? Jesus is the great high priest. Okay, so I'm not trying to get up in the weeds. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. But I just think to use it in a corporate worship means that, that mostly everyone will be singing it to themselves, and that, which would turn corporate worship into a public display of, I think, at, at best, indulgent private worship, right? Private worship is fine. Sing it to yourself in the house when you're cleaning, not on a Sunday morning. Okay. So my verdict, you know, if I'm a, as a pastor, I would not do this, right? Because as we said in the first episode, I have to make an account for every song that I sing on a Sunday morning. So Pastor Joel's verdict, I would not sing this on a Sunday morning, but I am not the pastor at your church. If, if you're listening as a lead pastor or worship pastor or worship leader, I am not in charge of the worship at your church. You are right. I am not sitting in your seat. You are. And even you at home, I'm not you. So you are the one can, who can make the call for your life or your church. But we're always going to make an account. So let's be singing the best truth in the best context as much as possible. But anyway, if you guys ever have any other suggestions, submit them to theologyandmusic at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email. But for now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. I'll see you guys in the next one.